Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trana here with you, and it is Wednesday, August 12, 2020. And uh, it's hump day, so we are in the middle of a very busy week here in Giants country. We have uh, we are getting three uh, either players and or coaches per day every day this week, so a lot of good stuff. And on Tuesday, we were able to hear finally from the Giants' three coordinators, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. Uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham and special teams coordinator Thomas McGahee. So on today's show, I'm going to play for you um, clips that I thought were of interest from those various media sessions done via conference call, video conference, I should say, and just kind of talk a, a little bit about um, each one. So before we kick things off, um, just a quick note, a quick piece of news. Um, the Giants announced on Tuesday that they had signed two of the three players that they had brought in to begin uh, COVID entry testing. That would be Jackson Dennis, the offensive tackle and receiver, Cody White. Now, amongst them, Ross Cockrell, the cornerback, was supposed to be in that group as well. However, Ross Cockrell and the Giants could not come to an agreement on a contract, so that deal is off as of this reporting. And uh, the Giants, unfortunately, are back to square one regarding uh, finding another cornerback. Now, um, whether or not they go back to a Logan Ryan, which I don't think is going to be the case. Again, um, I, had, I saw something where Logan Ryan was actually looking to maybe become a safety as opposed to a cornerback. So um, I, I don't think he's going to be in the mix, but we'll see. But uh, we'll see how the Giants address that opening because they do have, you know, with, between DeAndre Baker being on the exempt list and Sam Beal having opted out, they do have an opening for a cornerback. And I would imagine they're going to look to fill that opening some way, shape or form. Okay, so on this particular segment, we are going to uh, start with Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, and I've selected two clips to share with you. The first is Garrett's impressions of Daniel Jones, which I'll play for you right now. Yeah, you know, great respect for Daniel uh, from my first interactions with him, and, and that happened when we started to evaluate him in the draft process when he was coming out of Duke, and, you know, we weren't in the quarterback market, if you will. So we didn't do a deep dive study into him, but obviously we evaluate all the players. And, um, you know, there were so many great things said about him from the people at Duke. We admired his career and weren't surprised one bit that he was taken in the first round and, and has had the success that he's had up to this point. You know, we did get a chance to see him play uh, against us and on tape all throughout last year. And, uh, you know, playing as a rookie in the NFL is a challenge. Uh, playing quarterback as a rookie in the NFL is a real challenge. And uh, you know, Daniel handled himself really, really well. And again, you know, reflecting back on the reports and everything we knew about him coming out in the draft, it didn't surprise us that much. And, you know, since I've been here, he's been a real joy to work with. Uh, there's no question, you know, he is a football guy. He loves football and uh, he's, he's always so prepared. He's always studying his stuff. He always has great questions and wants to get better. And, 
my experience has been when you have that kind of approach and that kind of attitude, if, if you have some ability, you're going to keep growing and getting better every day. And he's certainly done that. Okay. So, you know, coach speak, nothing too revealing, you know, what it, the kind of response that you kind of expect from, you know, Garrett to say, Garrett's always been kind of a, uh, a positive guy. And he's certainly not going to get up there and say that the guy, you know, that a guy is no good. But um, with that said, I mean, the, it's nice to know that Garrett and Daniel Jones are getting off on the right foot. That's very important. Um, Jason Garrett, as I've mentioned numerous times, a former NFL quarterback, he was here with the Giants from, for um, about three or four years as a backup, including on the 2000 uh, Super Bowl team. And I just think Jason Garrett is going to be able to do wonders for Daniel Jones. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they bring to uh, what they're able to accomplish already. And uh, I wrote about this over on Giants Country, but already you can see some of the changes that Jason Garrett has, and, and Jerry Shlepinski, let's not leave him out of the equation because he is the quarterback's coach, but you can see already some of the changes they have made with Daniel Jones amongst them. Jones has a lower uh, stance when he goes through his footwork. He, it's almost like a crouch, and uh, that avoids his front leg from locking up. And there's an article on Giants Country in which uh, Mark Schofield, who's a, you know, who you heard from yesterday, he explains that in a little bit more detail. The other thing is Daniel Jones now, when you watch him, he has that left hand locked on that ball. Whereas before he might have held that ball loosely, which made it easy for a defender to slap it out of his grasp. So, that, you know, those are a couple of the changes um, that you can notice when you watch video of Jones or some of the, you see some of the pictures of him, you know, going through drills. Now, this next clip actually, I think, is a little bit more interesting because it has to do with the offensive line. And um, so here's a quote from Garrett on the offensive line. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that we believe very strongly in is, is, is offensive linemen have to do a lot of different things. And we had the opportunity to draft Andrew Thomas, you know, with the fourth pick and, and, and Matt Pert in the, in the third round and Shane Lemieux in the fifth round. And, you know, those were guys that, um, you know, we just we liked a lot in the draft process. And we felt like they were versatile guys. First of all, they were ball guys. They love ball. Uh, those are the recommendations. Uh, all, all this feedback we got from their coaches know at their respective schools was so positive in terms of how much they love ball how much how committed they were to getting better every day and then we felt like they had the skill set necessary to do what we're asking them to do we ask our linemen to do a lot of things our linemen have to be athletic uh, they need to be able to run block on the second level they need to be able to pass protect against the rushers in this league and you know these guys are all rookies they're learning on the run we haven't had a real practice yet we'll get into that here at the end of the week but uh uh, their approach has been outstanding. We're excited to work with them. Dave Gettleman, in his dealings with the coaching staff, and not just with Judge and the coordinators, uh, but with every all the coaches, he solicits their opinions as to what kind of players they need in order to be successful. And in the past, the Giants' offensive line has always been, you know, George Young used to call them dancing elephants. They were the big, burly, bulky type guys who, you know, ha had some sort of athleticism to them, but they were just, you know, 
for lack of a better term, they were dancing elephants. That's what George Young used to call them. The giants over the years have gotten away from that. They have moved more towards smaller, sleeker, athletic offensive linemen. And that is what the Dallas Cowboys um, built down in Dallas uh, and why their offensive line was so one of the reasons why that line was so good for a number of years. You know, the, the idea was to, you know, have them pull, for example, have guys fire out, um, you know, succeed at the second level, which was, it, which was a big deal. So Garrett, it just seems to me just in, in listening to that response and also based on what the Giants have done in building that offensive line, it looks like they're trying to replicate the efforts done in Dallas with the hope, of course, that they have the success that the Cowboys have had for a number of years. And, you know, with Garrett as the offensive coordinator and Mark Colombo as the offensive line coach, you know, certainly they, they have the uh, seeds in place, if you will. So we'll just see if it pays off as they go along. All right, folks, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. We're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. So stay with us. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars and trucks, it's become impossible for retail shops to stock everything in a traditional chain storefront. So the next time you need a part for your car or truck, visit rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com offers scores of different auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers for nearly every make and model of car out there. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants Segment 2. Patricia Trina here with you, and we are playing audio clips from the Giants Three coordinators we just heard from Jason Garrett on offense. And in this segment, we are going to hear from Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. And I'm going to play for you um, two clips in this segment, both of which were responses to questions I asked Graham uh, about the pass rush. And this first clip, I asked him about all the youth in the back end of the defense because I firmly believe one of the Giants' biggest problems uh, in recent years has been they just haven't been as sturdy in the back end of the defense, and that has allowed quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly. And uh, we, we've seen many instances where a pass, a Giants pass rusher has just barely missed getting to the quarterback. And again, I, I believe that to be because... Um, defenses, the uh, 
back end of the defense hasn't been able to hold its its coverage as long as it needs to. So here is that first clip. It was the pass rush. I think, you know, when you're dealing with young players coming into the league, you know, uh, just like any other position here in the NFL, it's different from college. It's different from college. The pass rush is different from college. And what I mean by that, they got to start to understand and learn some of the intricacies of how to rush the passer in this league. You're dealing with, you know, the 32 of them in the world that can throw the ball. Um, how are we going to try to affect that, that passer? And understanding that, you know, if you just run up the field, you know, there's a chance he's probably going to step up. He can still get the ball off with accuracy, throwing inside throws, which are the easiest throws. So trying to get the guys to understand how we got to fill the pass rush lanes, how we got have to work together to affect the quarterback um, effectively. And it's a, it's a process. And so we're right, you know, in the beginning of the process right now, you know, we did some, we tried to tackle some of it on film during the spring. But right now we're in the process of combination of the film, uh, you know, the drills on the field and just kind of getting acclimated and figuring out what everybody does well and see how, what's the best plan that we could put together to utilize the talent that we have. So, you know, again, these guys are young, but, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, just these guys, it's all about performance and, what they do. So once we get to the field, we'll find out and get a better idea. Okay. And I'm going to play the second clip for you. This had to do with the front part of the pass rush, basically the front seven. Um, uh, One of the things I've noticed in looking at the personnel is they have a lot of guys who are uh, weak side linebackers. And I was kind of curious as to, you know, given these guys and and their listed positions, how exactly was this going to work out? Was it going to be a rotation or what? And here's what Graham had to say about that. I think, I mean, again, not to be cliche, it's going to be week to week, but I think during this development stage, like we're developmental stage where we're trying to find out what we have, they all have, you know, unique skill sets. Um, And so we have to figure out, okay, is this guy a better rusher on the inside if we stand him up on the inside? Is he a better rusher on the outside? Is he better from the left? Is he better from the right? I think it's going to be um, some trial and error and, you know, getting everybody on the same page and just, you know, trying different packages, different schemes and see how that plays out. But, I mean, whether it's going to be a rotation or not, it's too early to even talk about that stuff right now. But everybody's going to get an equal opportunity and whoever ends up, up being out there is going to be based on they earned it during camp. So, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be fun to work with these guys. I mean, I know this. They all they all work hard. Brett does a great job coaching those edge guys. Coach Spence does a great job of coaching the interior guys. So I'm real excited to see how it plays out. Okay, so here's my takeaway on what Graham just said. And it's a little disturbing to me, and, and I'll tell you why. It, it just – it sounds like they just don't know – exactly what they're going to do. And look, you know, it's a new coaching staff. It's, they didn't have an opportunity to work with the players in the spring. And, and, you know, by now, at this point in the summer, they'd be getting ready for their first preseason game on Thursday night. So it's just been a, a very unusual year. But with that said, I still don't feel good about this pass rush. Um, I think that will will they have some productive guys like you know X Man? Yeah, I I think X Man will be productive. I think maybe Lorenzo Carter will step out and and be productive. I think Marcus Golden can be productive, but I just don't see this team developing a blue goose. 
pass rusher. I mean, in order to do that, you need to get a guy who just does it over and over and over and, and just becomes that guy. And I just am not so sure that, you know, the scheme is going to yield the results they're looking for. I could be wrong. Um, I just know that if we look back at the last, what, three seasons, they've been talking about how the scheme was going to help generate the pass rush, and it, and it hasn't. And, you know, I look at the youth in the back end of the defense. They still don't have that cornerback, that other starting cornerback spots solidified, you know, now that Ross Cockrell has, has, uh, decided not to sign with the Giants. So I just, I don't know, guys, it's just a lot of question marks for me about the pass rush. And, you know, who knows, maybe as they get them on the field, and they will start to get them on the field in drills, starting on August 17th, they'll get some of the answers they're looking for. But right now, I'd be lying if I said that I felt good about, you know, where things stand, but still a lot of time yet. And who knows? Maybe they'll surprise me. So, all right, folks, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we'll hear from Thomas McGahey, the special teams coordinator. Stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans. So Locked on Giants, Patricia Trainer here with you. And in segment three, we're going to hear from special teams coordinator Thomas McGahey. Now, McGahey, he's not really known for giving long-winded answers, which is fine, but one of the questions that I know a lot of people had in mind was about the kicking situation, the Giants, and why they chose Chandler Zero. And uh, here is the response that McGahey gave to that question. Yeah, I mean, Chandler's a guy who's, who's a veteran kicker in this league. Uh, he's performed at a high level before, and uh, we're just hoping to get him back to that level. Uh, he, he's, he's a hard worker and very conscientious, and, and it's just, you know, his availability, availability was there, and uh, we took advantage of bringing him in. And hopefully we can get him rolling and, and uh, get him up the bar. Okay, now later on in this particular um conference call, I got a question in about um, how important was it for the Giants to get a kicker who had experience with kicking in the Northeast winds, which uh, Cantalazero has from his time with the Jets. And I don't have that clip for you, but I have the quote. He said, uh, McGay, he said, Quote, that was huge. Obviously, getting Chandler, who was actually kicked in this exact stadium, was a benefit. End quote. Now, here's something I also found interesting. The contract details for Chandler, um, one year, $910,000. It's a minimum salary benefit, which means it only counts for $750,000 against the salary cap doesn't have a lot in the way of, you know, signing bonuses and stuff like that. I think the cap is like 90,000 uh, 90, uh, before it no longer qualifies for the MSB. So that to me tells, tells me that the Giants are, you know, they're going to give Canada Zero a shot at winning the job. Now he doesn't have, you know, you, you look at his stats and, you say say to yourself, okay, they they probably could have done better. I still believe that when it comes to the kicker, 
the Giants probably have their eye on what's going on in Indianapolis, where Indianapolis has two young kickers, including um, Rodrigo Blankenship, who is a guy I know a couple people asked me if the Giants might consider drafting as competition for, for Rosas when he was on the team. So I have, have to believe that the Giants might be paying really close attention to see who wins that battle and who becomes available. Now, would the Giants maybe engineer a trade to get one of those guys? It's possible, certainly, but, um, you know, they've already, don't forget, have committed a fifth round pick to the Jets as part of the Leonard Williams trade. So, I don't know necessarily if they will they will look to trade for a kicker, but I I can pretty much sit here and say for certain that I believe they will keep an eye, a close eye on that kicking competition. You have two young kickers, whoever doesn't win that battle, if you can get him on board, then you may not have to worry about your kicker for the next, who knows, decade or, or so, depending on how well the guy does. So just something to keep in mind as we go through the rest of the summer and um, competitions play out. All right, Giant fans, that will do it for today's show. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. Tomorrow we will have more audio clips as we continue a very busy week. Um, we'll hear from head coach Joe Judge and a couple of players. Anyway, until tomorrow, uh, enjoy, hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you again soon.